There All we right. go. Hey there. What's up? Uh, well, I'm in a restaurant because okay. I was at the Colts, the city, and it got rained out. So I've kind of got stuck up here on the north side. So I hope the background noise is okay. <laughs> Oh, well, it's going uh, great so far. No no issues Good. to this point. Uh, I, I was going to ask you, you did have uh, that Colts gig today. Was that a music-oriented thing? No, I actually do uh, fan painting. <laughs> okay, yeah. Grown uh, adults want to get painted blue. <laughs> <laughs> okay, fair enough. No, I was, I was thinking about dad's band and uh, the couple of gigs that i was allowed to go to when i was a kid got rained out one of them that i can remember is the noblesville street dance back-to-back -back years yeah you know, uh chooch was getting I ready to play my... yeah oh well i think we played the uh the tipton pork fest too so right. um you may not you may not have been awake on that one <laughs> <laughs> not consciously aware of what was going on um you know but uh I've been wanting to have you on the show for a while since you uh, did play music with dad and we're going to get into a lot of your music career and kind of what goes into that. But um, are you from Indianapolis originally, Wendy? I was born and raised here. I was born at Methodist Hospital. Okay, okay. cool. And were, were you like me? Did you grow up in a entertainment family? Actually, yes. My, my mother played guitar and my dad played ukulele and they, they, um they were really involved in um church uh choir and my mother did the madrigals downtown and then my, her mother my grandma was quite the singer with quite a career she um she used to croon at the old edgewater beach hotel in chicago um she did a lot of theater here in the city um she was a soloist with a lot churches downtown so yes i did come from a musical family <laughs> my my nephew is a musician yeah and uh right. he, lives in, he lives in new york city he's not touring anymore he's just he's interested only in producing now is that drew osherman but he's right yes yeah he still writes okay. but he's more That's interested great. in uh producing yeah See, Drew was uh, in, w in um, WHJE with me at Carmel. So I, I knew Drew from high school. Oh, cool. And so oh when my I, gosh, that's awesome. yeah, yeah. When I heard that uh, he was related to you, I'm like, oh my God, we are meant to be friends then. You know, I with... know, right? <laughs> well, Jimmy, so. I've you since you were a little bitty baby. <laughs> uh-huh, yeah. And, um, you know, Chooch, told me right away that I, I was able to sing in key thank god i didn't you know uh cause his hearing to go out or anything like that but uh who would you say like discovered your musical inclination and kind of encouraged you along the way well i was very fortunate that my parents moved to uh carmel when i was in junior high and the music uh program at carmel still is legendary yeah. Um, but I was encouraged by a wonderful um, woman by the name of June Claire, who I still keep in contact with after all these years. She was just a young music teacher right out of college when she taught me, and she gave me my very first public solo at school at, during the Christmas program, yeah. Service yeah. Rec. 
you know, but she believed in me. And um, then I went on to become a Carmel ambassador, which is quite the honor, you know, back when you were in high school, that was the group everybody wanted to be in. And that was a touring group. Right. And from there, I went on to uh, the Cincinnati Conservatory of Music. Wonderful. And so yeah. I'm, my, my, my professors, my teachers have always been encouraging. Sometimes really the only reason why I stayed in it for a while, because I'm also an artist. So I, w I went to Heron for a semester my first year out of high school, considering more of a, um, you know, art career rather than music. So right. lucky that I had those influences. <laughs> and just so I understand, because I, I do recall hearing about the ambassadors is that similar to um glee like um yeah it was i think it's okay. loosely based okay i yeah. heard the rumor now i don't know i can't verify it but i heard the rumor it's loosely based on that yeah yeah no uh ryan murphy is originally from here and then i think he uh he went to north central and he he used caramel the, the actual word in in glee which is why it uh, rung a bell in my head so um, <laughs> I, I was thinking too you know I uh, I had a few music teachers and what makes a great music teacher um just the um encouragement to find your voice and be yeah. un you know unique self don't try to sound like the record I, I heard that a lot you know hey try it you know try it your way don't try to sound like the record so that was invaluable because you know there's a lot of young um people out there today that they want to sound just like the record and i'm like well that's mm -hmm. great you know a wedding band or a bar band that's just going to be playing top 40 all night but to really become um you know an artist in the industry you have to find your own and uh, I think the teachers that, that encourage that are probably the best. Who are um, some artists that you listened to uh, growing up as a kid? My earliest influence was Joni Mitchell. I used to record her on my little uh, Sears cassette player on the King Biscuit Flower Hour. And um, she was on like her little um, zither uh, and guitar. I used to record her all the time my mother listened to Joan Baez a lot so I loved Joan Baez and my father had served in the Air Force over in England so he had quite the jazz collection so from a very early development age I had jazz playing all the time in my house and um I from that you know grew to well, that's what I do today is jazz. But I mean, he had Dave Brubeck on all the time and he loved, um, oh gosh, I'm trying to think of, I'm drawing a blank, but it was, a, oh, Herb Albert and the Tijuana Brass. Loved yeah. them. Yeah. The Bossa Nova to this day is still one of my greatest loves. But I would say Joni Mitchell's probably my earliest recollection of who I just was so influenced by. And I, you know, every... Every girl singer that came along after that, Linda Ronstadt, Carol King. Right. We, we, I was lucky to grow up in an amazing time for women uh, artists. So, what about um, 
I, I, I'm sorry. I always associate you a little bit with rock because your involvement with the Bob and Tom show and just, and just dad's band. Like, uh, what about Janis Joplin? Did you listen to her, obviously, too? You know, this is really funny. My grandmother had such an influence on me because yeah. we would watch the Ed Sullivan show together on Sunday nights because she'd come over for supper. And she would always grab my arm anytime Janice was on and say, oh, that's not a singer. <laughs> my grandmother was trained. Right. She made Janice out to just be like this horrible thing for me to listen to. So I never, I never even grew up knowing her music. And it's funny because Joni Mitchell recorded um, a song that was made very famous by uh, Lambert Hendricks and Ross called Twisted. Right. And that kind of started making me want to um, hear more like blues and jazz at that time. So I listened to the Janis Joplin album with, uh, oh, Big Brother and the Holding Company. What's the one that had kind of like the comic book looking cover? I can't remember the, the name of that album. But anyway, yeah. that was like the first time that was in college i mean i really didn't listen to her until college uh -huh. and she's her, she's never been one of my faves and i really didn't i really didn't know her volume of work until recently and i'm you know i'm blown away by what she did with her voice and blown away by her energy but it's so funny how my grandmother would be like oh no don't listen to her she can't sing <laughs> Well, and I've been catching up, you know, with all the music that dad grew up with. And uh, and I know that he did a cover of um, Superstition. And, and you already talked about how a singer has to not try to sound like the record. How does someone find their voice and, and kind of inject their own little bit of life to a song that, uh, you know, certainly had its your, own sound? Your dad definitely did that. I yeah. right now don't. I don't know if I should repeat this, but I grew up in the day where, um, you know, driver's licenses didn't even have a photograph. Okay. They uh -huh. were just a typed piece of paper. So I had a, I had a fake ID. <laughs> okay. All right. Hey, the coolest of us did. I used to go hear your dad at the Hummingbird here in Indianapolis at 71st Keystone. And he always had his own sound. And the reason why I went there, the reason why I knew about your dad is I worked at a record store in Carmel called Nova Records. And my boss would say, oh, you got to hear this band. And it was your dad, Chooch and the Enchanters. And then I'd go see him at Crazy Owls. And uh, basically wherever he was, I would try to go. <laughs> no. And he always, he always, he would jam a song out to totally showcase the band as well as his own voice and it, it just those were some good times of music back in those days jimmy i'm telling you your dad had it on he on well uh, the most direct sound that i can think of uh folks who do want to taste or an idea of what my dad's band was I, when i hear huey lewis in the news i'm like that's that's chooch and the enchanters right i mean if you had to pick yeah. one band that kind of encapsulates the sound but um You've been a band leader like Dad was. I mean, that's that's not easy to be able to inject yourself as the leader and then allow your band members to highlight themselves. Like it's it's sort of 
you got to build a rapport and allow each member to have their moment. And that's, that's not always easy to share the stage with people. <laughs> I love stage with your dad. He was always a crowd pleaser and he always, he, your dad never complained about his voice ever. I was the, you know, Oh, I'm feeling all scratchy tonight. Your dad always was the professional always could turn it on no matter what he could be dead tired from working all day at, you know his wonderful handyman so stuff good. that he did <laughs> still yeah. show up and he'd whip yeah. out that guitar and just you know blow everybody away he never he never let his uh other stuff get in the way of being a consummate performer so yeah he was a, a renaissance man pretty much able to do anything yeah that's he's a great musician that's a, uh, you know, an unfortunate thing about the business now is that it's really hard to make ends meet just as a musician. Besides playing music, what are all the different things you do to stay involved and make ends meet? Well, um, like I mentioned, I, I was an artist, so I, I, um, I like to go and um, pick, uh, I call it picking, but I, I search out um, mid-century um, pieces that are collectible and I have three booth spaces that I put them in and sell from and then I also uh, I'm involved in a program at the Indiana School for the Blind and Visually Impaired and uh, I help seniors step into a job it's called STEP and I run the um, student center there at the blind school and the kids work in there and I show them how to, you know, get by in a, a, a retail setting like that so they can get out of school and get a job. Because unfortunately, the unemployment rate for the blind is around 79%. Wow. So yeah. our program is important. And I do that during the fall and um, school year. And then I have the summers off. And then I still perform nightly all over the city. I'm lucky. Mm -hmm. I perform... Um, well, at the Hotel Carmichael, in fact, I'm there this Saturday night with Peter Keenley, uh -huh. a great guitarist in Bloomington. And I, I play there. I play the Bangkok Jazz Bar and I play the Jazz Kitchen, the world famous Jazz Kitchen. In fact, I'm going to be part of a great evening coming up for Indie Jazz Fest. It's called the Naptown Sound and they're going to have a lot of, of Indies notable um, musicians that evening for um, a an incredible evening you can check out their uh, website for that and so yeah I keep really busy and I guess that's probably what I'll do to the day I die you know just keep it going anyway I can. <laughs> yeah um one of the better interviews that I uh, can remember doing for this show uh you can check it out is Bernie Egan who's an air personality on uh B1057 he talked about his experience going to uh, the school for the blind here in Indiana. Oh, and I, yeah. I'm just asking yeah. you like, cause I, I grew up, uh, I was born in 94 and the uh, Americans with disabilities act was passed in 1990. So how has the perception of blind people changed over the years? Well, the one thing, I mean, my perception of course changed the minute I started working there because I never once saw anybody uh, that would fit the title of disabled in my mind. Everybody yeah. was very able. Um, the one thing that did change for the blind that's significant is iPhone technology for the blind. 
it's enabled a lot of our kids to go into regular classrooms because of all the different um, sourcing they can do through their iPhone. So that's been a remarkable thing for the blind uh, as far as 20 years ago to now. Yeah. Um, the bias, the, the opinion is still there. Like I, I will have people say to me, well, how, how can a blind senior work? Mm. And I'm like, oh, just watch them. They, they can do yeah. anything, anything you and I can do and, and more because they're just amazing individuals that we have at the school. And, you know, the visual impairment part now has a little bit of help from technology as well like our phones we can use them to navigate we can use them to read all those sorts of things come into play really big for the visual uh visually impaired in the blind okay and uh, cool um is it still a boarding school are folks able to stay there yeah we house about um i would say 30 percent of our occupants right now of the building but we're, that's getting ready to change um this will be our last year in, in campus. And then the school will close for five years. And the, the kids that live there will move on to the deaf school over behind the um, fairgrounds there. And we'll be dispersed to several different buildings uh, according to what we do for the school. And then um, during those five years, they're going to combine the deaf school with the blind school and do a state-of-the-art campus. So all the latest technologies will be there. Um, it'll be a lot more user-friendly because right now we're, you know, we're in a building that's over 125 years old. Yeah. Yeah. There's one elevator. <laughs> There's oh. one elevator. And um, so it's, it's, it's going to be a big change and, but it's, you know, it's five years in the making. Yeah. Um, you know, one unique experience that I can recall on, uh, cause I took American sign language at Carmel. I went to a basketball game there and obviously with, with folks being deaf, they really pumped uh, the music up high so that folks could feel the bass. Uh, yeah. is, is there anything that you notice uh, as someone who can see and that would stand out to someone? We have the best dancers yes, <laughs> because right. there's that, you know, there's that phrase dance like nobody's looking. Uh -huh. Kids have the best dance moves because they're not caught up in what other people think about what they look like. Uh -huh. They just go for it. So music's really a big part of uh, the lives at the school. We have a great uh, piano lab and uh, as you know the music series is going on we have bringing a lot of great blind musicians visually impaired musicians for our series that we feature so yeah that's <laughs> i know i know what I'm talking about for the deaf school because i played a gig for them once and they told us to turn it up as loud as we could <laughs> No, I, I loved it. It was, uh, and every time that they hit a three-point shot, there was this huge drum that somebody would hit, and it would cause a huge vibration uh, that everybody could feel. And uh, yeah. I, I wore Stevie Wonder for you. That was my shirt that I picked for you. Superstition, I've said before, is my favorite song. Um, oh, you have a favorite one? My favorite rock tune would probably be, um, oh gosh, believe it or not, I love singing Give Me Some Lovin'. I used to sing that with your dad. I love that oh, wow. tune. As far as a jazz tune goes, I think my favorite song to sing is um, 
is you is or is you ain't my baby <laughs> okay i like it cool um also you know i i remember dad one of his first dates with mom so he's trying to impress mom you know and seal the deal they went to uh go see tony bennett and you know he he recently passed away and, and when dad went backstage they had backstage passes to meet tony he said you know please make the autograph to chooch and Tony being an Italian gentleman was like, chooch, you know, are you sure? Because <laughs> in Italian, I guess that that doesn't mean uh, it's not a very nice term to use. But that was uh, that was funny <laughs> to, to hear chooch's exchange with Tony. Um, yeah, sad that we lost Tony. It's a very sad loss. Uh, did you get a chance to meet any of your heroes that like you watched as a kid and then, hey, I, I know you? <laughs> Tony Bennett in New York. I was there opening a show for a resort area called Darien Lakes, and they brought Tony in as the headliner. So I got to meet wow. him. Man. I was doing a 50s rock and roll show called Penny and the Loafers. He was there for the dedication of the new resort area. I don't know if it's still called Darien Lakes or anymore. I think Six Flags purchased it. It might be called something else, but he was there for like the first, you know. Mm -hmm. just out of the gate with that and um I've, yeah I've been so lucky with you know my touring with Bob and Tom I met so many I mean I got to sing back up with some of the greats you know um your dad too I mean we we, we oh, were yeah. called in the studio all the time for live day to sing background vocals to many many amazing rock stars and we just kind of became one of the you know team for the day it was great Eddie Money was somebody that I remember dad saying he met uh, on one of the live days. Yeah. I wasn't going to bring, I wasn't going to bring Eddie up. Why? Did something happen? <laughs> okay. You don't have to explain if you don't want to. Yeah. yeah. A lot happened. Let's just put it this way. He was never invited back. Um, but the thing so funny, I was nine months pregnant, ready to give birth at any moment. And we were all in the studio at six in the morning. I came in my pajamas because I really <laughs> thought I was in the hospital that day. I was so pregnant. Uh, and Eddie Money was so mean to everyone except oh, for me. I was the only person he was nice to. And everybody was like, oh, it must just be because you're the pregnant lady. Uh, oh, man. Well, I hate to hear that, you know, two tickets to paradise was a mean guy. <laughs> You'd like to hear. <laughs> it was all mean i mean really just mean to everybody but um yeah. uh he, I, I got away with the pregnant card so <laughs> uh let me ask you because you talked about dad's attitude and, and my god he always seemed to find a way uh, to put a positive spin on everything um how much does your attitude reflect in your performance well it's everything um and you know i didn't even truly realize it till later in life how important it is to stay positive because um there's a lot of people depending on you your band's depending on you the, the agent if there's one is depending on you for his reputation the crowd is depending on you to make it a wonderful memorable evening um there's a lot of people it's a lot to carry on your shoulders and your dad always delivered he did and i learned a lot watching him from the sidelines when I was in the band with him um 
he would just step onto that stage and just become, you know, chooch. Yeah. And he didn't bring anything with it but that. Just just his his uh, professionalism and his his golden pipes. You know, everybody loved. He could do Tony Bennett. He could do Frank Sinatra. He could do chooch. You know, he could do whatever you put. He could in do front anything. Of him. Yeah. So, um. You know, a guy that uh, we we just lost to recently, unfortunately, on a local level, is uh, Ron Sexton, who, uh, you know, played Donnie Baker and uh, also impersonated Tony Soprano, you know, so and dad, dad was always a personality, too. Uh, on the mic, I, I was thinking of you. Oh, the Dreyer Ryanbold uh, gig, you know, that would always be in like a hot racing garage and, and dad would be like we're gonna break out the electric blankets pretty soon folks you know that way we can stay warm yeah. <laughs> so um right. you know when, when it comes to being a, a an entertainer especially on the local level it, it seems like a simple thing to schmooze a crowd but like when you're an entertainer they have to like you as a person too don't they <laughs> i well hopefully you yeah. know it comes across that you're genuine and authentic and you're 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 sharing something from your heart and i i can remember a lot of evenings on the bandstand with your dad there'd be nights where you'd look out across the crowd and there wouldn't be a dry eye from his delivery on something and um that's what we all aim for is to you know reach one person's heart from your performance um it doesn't take the whole crowd really it just takes reaching that one or two people that let you know that you, you made a difference in their night like as far as um sentimentality or nostalgia or just feeling something from you know what you're giving to them they felt it and you and you reciprocate that from them that energy that's really i think that's why it makes people like your dad stand apart from others is that he always gave from his actual heart. Now I'm starting to tear up because I'm starting to think about your dad and how great he was on stage. But oh, yeah, hey. that means he's just with you. That's all. Um, yeah. And, uh, I, you know, one thing that is really tough now, I would think, is a lot of places that hire live music. It's it's a sports bar. There's TVs everywhere. Everybody's got a cell phone. I mean, is it hard for you as a performer to connect person to person now with it, all the distractions that there are? I try to just deliver and not let those things get in yeah. my way because there's, you, you don't know, you can never assume anything. That's a big lesson I've learned. If you assume you could lose an opportunity to maybe impress someone or reach somebody or make a fan out of someone, if you let those other things distract you, mm -hmm. um, not going to deliver and, and it does happen you know my hotel gig it just happened the other night somebody turned their phone on with music really <laughs> and it, it was so loud I couldn't even hear my pianist but I just kept going because it's something that you have to believe there's somebody out there listening no matter what you know and um there was a time that people would come and sit in the dark booth with the camera light and they would hold hands or you know, listen to music. That was such a romantic time. And it's sad to me. I see so many missed opportunities of people that are just tuned out and not really taking in what they're hearing or listening to. Right. And 
um, because they're wrapped up in their phone and it's really sad to me to see that but it's just you gotta deal with it well even people that filming a concert sometimes i'm like are you hearing what's being put exactly. out there you know what i mean like it's just uh watching the show through their yeah exactly it's really yeah, I think, and Louis C.K. was like, it's perfect high definition if you just watch it and actually, oh, I don't know, remember something. Uh, that that would be good too. Uh, everything's being documented now, but um, oh, hey, I know that you've done. Uh, you were you were gonna do the Colts event today. Have you ever had to do the national anthem before? Yes, and it was live TV for ESPN. I was a nervous. Oh, oh man, uh, what it was, was it for? specifically it was the national bowling championships in indianapolis and we did all cutaway segments for the uh advertising and then i did the national anthem and it was it was terrifying say it was at the convention center or might have been at market square i can't remember no it wasn't market square it wasn't that long ago it was um it was a big hall so i'm not i'm not I'll have to go back and look and see if I can find where that was, but it was indoors. Well, and remember you uh, remembered all the lyrics. That's what I would be concerned about. Uh, yeah, I've sang it many times, but that was the most excruciating because you know, live television, if you mess up, you're in big trouble. You don't want to pull a Roseanne bar. <laughs> oh, no. <Remember? laughs> no. No one will be as bad as Roseanne Barr. I, oh. I, I don't think you have to worry about that. Uh, one other thing I want to mention with, uh, it, it was probably tougher too, because I can recall doing uh, Colts games and not that they're cheating, but like they gave the, the lyrics on the Jumbotron, you know, so they gave that as a safety net. Pro they probably just don't want that to be a viral moment at Lucas Oil if somebody forgot the lyrics. But um, I, I know you're a singer. Do you play uh, any other instrument besides your voice? No, I I um, had a stint for a while as a percussionist back when I used to sing with decoy. I purchased quite a bit of Latin percussion instruments. I had fingers, but I just like to sing. That's what I like to do. So I've kind of just made my focus anymore. I've talked to um, Casey Harshbarger, who is dad's uh, guitar player. And we we joked about how, you know, some folks may not like the tone that you're playing with like it might be played perfectly uh but they just don't like the particular sound and that's cool but when you're a singer does it hurt a little more if they don't like your tone because I mean that's sort of you and your soul that's being put out there because there's enough to go around everybody's got their own you know everybody's got their own thing so I don't worry about it I just try to Okay. If, if you worry too much about what other people think, you're never going to make it in this business ever. <laughs> that's, boy, if that's the truth. Um, you know, dad would always be uh, kind of concerned too with uh, crowd size because that kind of changes the perspective that you have with performing. Do you find it easier to perform for larger or smaller crowds? Um, I love an intimate hang in a dark room you know with just I love that because the intimacy is I think what I crave at this point in my life to have where the band plays a note you can hear a pin drop um I prefer that I think to larger venues I certainly got my share of that with Bob and Tom we 
you know, had 20, 30,000 people in the audience at a time. Just something about this small, intimate room is probably my favorite. I think a lot of artists are headed that way. You see a lot of, like, Pat Metheny's coming to Clues Hall. I can't wait for that, um, mm -hmm. to see such an intimate setting. I think I prefer the intimacy. Well, it's like giving a speech, you know, it, mistakes probably stand out a little more, but uh, at that point, you just got to feel <laughs> whatever you're doing. Mistakes? What mistakes? Yeah, they're, they're happy accidents. That's what Bob Ross there would say. No mistakes in music, Jimmy. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I asked about your favorite songs. Uh, are you listening to any music today? Music today is a little questionable. <laughs> Oh yeah, I, I try to stay as relevant as I can. I listen to everything um, I can get my hands on. I like every genre of music. I have to say the only thing I don't listen to is new country. I can't stand it. It's too repetition. <laughs> it's done. It, yeah. I can't go there, but I listen to everything. I really do. And I would say I love um, the, the newest artists i love daft punk they're not that new but i love their sound and all the inventiveness they have um i like cold play i like i like a lot of different genres uh, of music and i try to constantly keep those on in the car when i'm traveling yeah see dad could do like you said he, he could do tony bennett and then he had a more modern swing where he would do bruno but uh check out the weekend too Wendy, I would I would recommend him as well. Uh, the I weekend, love, 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 yeah, I could, I could go. Um, <laughs> you know, something too I want to mention because uh, I I know you did a tremendous job at um, Chooch's memorial. When you're hired for a wedding or a funeral, you know something having to do with a with a family, a mm -hmm. significant moment for somebody. Is there an extra amount of care that goes into preparing for that? Because you know they're going to remember the tones that are with that day. Exactly. Well, I just try to always think of the other person, um, my clients or the people in the audience. I always try to think of what, you know, they need at that moment. I think that's one of the reasons why my um, dance band did well, because we definitely catered to making it um, intimate and personalized and something that people would talk about for years all our business was word of mouth because of that uh, we didn't advertise online or anything people would say oh you gotta have this band because they covered all the bases we were looking for so that was probably you know your dad and i both understood that going into it um yeah. our job was to make everybody there in the room happy so you know the closest thing i think i had to a outer body experience was at dad's memorial uh thanks to the music you brought uh that great that was so great yeah. that was such a spontaneous combustion he was with us. <laughs> well I, I was thinking today like normally you would think that your dad's funeral or memorial would be the worst day of your life and, and to some degree it was because i had to like console them get them back up but it was also one of the best days of my life because i was told how much he was loved um yeah exactly and when when you started the whole uh we love you chooch and got that that chant going um <laughs> there was a real uh healing moment in a in a horrible time going back to it but i mean it, that whole thing uh helped me heal so <laughs> everybody needed to heal 
day because it was such a loss to the community and there was definitely yeah you're gonna get me again Brian. <laughs> i know I'm, I'm trying to get that for a clip later in, in the show yeah credit me for trying wendy um <laughs> let's see is there anything else we want to get to oh i i should probably mention this uh because it's happened to me when i'm doing these shows uh I, I, have you ever seen the movie soul before have you seen that yet was it called it's called soul a disney movie no uh, I'll give you the synopsis real quick. So it's about a musician who's got hired for a big gig and, you know, he's ready for his life to change, but he gets uh, taken where he goes into this other realm and he basically gets to explore his soul and he understands why he loves music. But um, Disney does a tremendous job animating what this feeling is and it's it's essentially getting lost in whatever you're doing you enter this zone where you're able to perform and kind of get lost in what you're doing. And I'm just asking you being a singer, I know that dad can kind of get enchanted himself <laughs> being lost in the music. Has that yes. ever happened to you where you sort of get lost in it? Oh, totally. Every night I'm playing on the bandstand yeah. with the guys I'm with at the hotel. Uh, there's moments where he'll strike the last note on the piano and I'll just go, we should have recorded that. That was amazing. I, I lost myself in that. And I think we, we've had some real magical moments like that where you just feel, I don't know, something changed in you after it, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, and you know, something else too, that is really tough and you can speak to it as a band leader. You, you have to be able to mix certain sounds together. So I mean, is it is it tough to find that mix sometimes with different no, people? No, creativity is something that I've always explored my entire life, and that's my my greatest feelings I get from it is the cre creative expression. So I don't I don't struggle with that part. I don't. And you've accomplished a lot, done a lot of different things. Uh, is there something else that you want to accomplish still? Well, um, sadly enough. I've recorded on many people's projects, but I've never done my own right. and it's been a time constraint because I'm always working and I, I would like to do something before I pass this, this life, but I don't know. It's, I don't know. It's, I don't know when I'm going to be able to stop to make it happen. It, one song that I, that I know dad did, uh, he did several individual songs that were just recorded on garage bands i mean is there archives that you can pull on and work on to get that album out there eventually uh, we'll see yeah okay <laughs> well, all right um trying to think if there's anything else oh um when did you own artsy fartsy i wanted to mention that too for the show i opened it in 87 and i closed it in 2001 okay and that I remember being a little kid in that store. What what was the what did they sell? It was just I was a purveyor of pop culture. So uh -huh. I had everything from clothing to jewelry to records to books to you name it. But it was just all popular culture and it was a lot of fun. I met a lot of fun people and there was some, that's a whole nother show to tell you all that that went yeah. on during the days of Robert because it was quite the scene. 
but I'm afraid I can't do it today because I got to get kicked out of this place that I'm at. <laughs> They're closing. <laughs> Oh, okay. Well, hey, uh, RT Party, the uh, more in-depth, that will be part two uh, for that one. Part two, but, go for it. Yeah. Um, but thank can, you so much for having me as your guest. Of course. Uh, how can folks reach out and book you, Wendy, if they feel compelled to do so? Please do, please do. And they can go to Facebook page, which is Wendy Reed Vocalist, and that's Reed with two E's. And um, that'll tell you my schedule and how you can get a hold of me and all that good stuff. I don't have my stuff up on Instagram right now. I'm just on Facebook because I've grown that page and I want to kind of stay there for a while. Okay. Uh, Wendy Reed, thank you so much again. It's been a pleasure here. <laughs> thank you. Uh, uh, folks, oh. to hear this episode again, you can head over to where my material is, linktree.com slash JBK on there. You can also get the show anywhere that you get your podcasts by searching JBK on air. And until next time, have a great day and a better tomorrow.